All right, let's go ahead and find our seats this morning. to have uh, other men in the congregation who are able from time to time to, uh, to give a, a, a drash, a, a, a short teaching on the Torah portion. And so this week, um, our Torah portion, of course, we're, we're in the triennial uh, cycle, so we follow a three-year cycle on the, uh, the Torah. This week, uh, Zach read, uh, starting in Leviticus chapter 6, um, verse 5. If you're in the, the Hebrew uh, Bibles, verse 12, if you're in the uh, other, the more standardized Bibles, but uh, uh, Modesto is uh, stepped up to teach this morning, so uh, we're blessed. This, I think it's your first time teaching, right? Yes, that's Yeah, great. so uh, I'm really excited, Modesto, for, uh, for you teaching. Let me pray for you, brother. Lord, I just thank you for Modesto. I thank you for um, your spirit that lives within him. Uh, just as within each of us, Lord, um, in the way that he uh, so loves you um, and, and loves your kingdom, Lord. Uh, we pray your blessing over uh, him today and that you would give him strength, Lord, um, to say what you would have him say, what you, your spirit has put on his heart, Lord. So I pray that you would speak to us by your Ruach, by your Holy Spirit, um, the words of your scripture through Modesto, Lord. B'Shem Yeshua HaMashiach. Amen. Shabbat shalom. Uh, as some of you may know, my name is Modesto, but my friends call me Dr. Modesto. My, my, friends call, my children tell me all the time that I need to go to a class to work on my dad jokes. Maybe later. You know, when contemplating the Torah portion for today, I had an idea of what I wanted to talk about to teach about a deep dive into scripture, an in-depth word study about how everything composites together to really bring alive the Torah. But something strange happened as I actually went to read the Torah portion. I kept getting these little pop-up notifications on my phone, you know, the weird random news apps that kept coming up, political and social unrest in Israel. Former U.S. president is indicted. School shooting and the current U.S. president is blaming the victims. Something about a, um, an Irish guy named Mulvaney. And something in me kept stirring, bubbling up to the surface. Something within my spirit was ignited and something that is desperately needed in modern society. Uh, but let's take a look at the end of the Torah portion. We'll go to Leviticus 7. Uh, we'll start in 35, uh, sorry, 37. This is the Torah of the burnt offering, the grain offering, the sin offering, the trespass offering, the ordination offering, and the sacrifice of fellowship. These are the offerings which Adonai commanded Moses at Mount Sinai. On this day he commanded B'nai Yisrael to present their offerings to Adonai in the wilderness in Sinai. Let me reiterate. 
sacrifice, offering, fellowship, peace, sin, and guilt. These are the words of Adonai our God, a good and just God, as instruction to the people and instruction to Israel on how he wants his society to be ran. Our beloved rabbi, John Powledge, talked a lot about the just society as a series right before his passing and outlined what society would look like in action, and we are pretty far off from that mark today. I've done a lot of Bible studies about Leviticus, and usually when I mention the words Leviticus, or numbers for that matter, you get this glaze that just seems to form over people's eyes. It's relegated to an instruction given to ancient Israelites, uh, almost myth or legend, and it's something that is not quite useful for today. And they are very wrong. Ultimately, you get the argument that we don't have a tabernacle, we don't have a temple, and our ultimate sacrifice is Yeshua, Jesus. And He is our only and perfect sacrifice. Hebrews 10.10, by His will we have been made holy through the offering of the body of Messiah Yeshua once and for all. And the most famous Bible verse seen on the hats of baseball enthusiasts the world around, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. But if you're looking at Torah, at this part of Torah, and all you see is sacrifice, then you're missing out on the many facets of a good and eternally wise God that He's telling us through His Word. You see, besides a provision for His priesthood, you know, they've got to eat too. Just, uh, just ask the Snell brood or Congress of Snells, if you will. They've got to eat. It's also a health lesson for the human body. We are the temple and the tabernacle. And those constructions mirror one-to-one -one the very human condition. But, most importantly, it's an instruction that's all about relationship and making right a relationship that has been torn apart and gone horribly wrong. Sacrifice, offering, fellowship, peace, sin, and guilt. These are not legal words. These are relationship words. Anyone who has ever been married for any length of time knows these words fully well. Me and my wife just celebrated our seventh wedding anniversary, and I finally took her on a honeymoon. And it was wonderful, Lord be praised, but we both know full well that we are going to and have messed up from time to time. I'm glad that she's not in here. We have made each other angry, we've hurt each other's feelings, not meaning to cause pain, but it happens. Women, you're going to mess up. Guys, I know this is super hard to hear, but you're going to mess up. And no amount of flowers and foot rubs are going to make up for what you did. The only thing that really helps, because love covers a multitude of sins, 1 Peter 4, 8, is teshuva repentance, and turning away from the things that damaged your relationship in the first place. You see, even the ancient Israelites knew that no amount of sacrifices really made up for sins against a good and merciful God. 
even though an innocent life took the punishment that they, we, rightly deserve. And we'll prove that understanding a little bit later. But first, let's define what sin is. Ultimately, sin is the willful disobedience to the Word of God. Not quite accidental sin, that's covered by Yom Kippur. But willingful do th- willing f- willingly doing things that Adonai has said is evil in his sight, and not doing the things that he said is good, because only he can define what is good, as e- good and evil, not us. Mark 7, 20-23, For what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. Sin separates us from the Lord. And with every passing sin, that gap becomes wider and bigger until there's a great chasm between us and a good and loving God. We've all seen the picture. God and a cloud on one side and us on the other side and this big chasm between us and a bridge that spans the gap in the words Jesus or Yeshua, creating a bridge between God and us. But dear ones, it's far more serious than that. Willful disobedience to the Word of God. In Judaism, the Word, the Torah, was established before the foundation of the world. The Word made flesh. Gospel of John 1 1 through 5, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was God, and the Word was with God. He was with God in the beginning, that all things made through Him, and apart from Him nothing was made that had come into being. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness could not comprehend it. We say these words at the beginning of every Torah service, establishing Yeshua as the Word made flesh and tabernacles among us. So our willingful sin, if that's even a word, our willful sin separates us from even our Savior. But don't take my words for it. Let's go to the words of Yeshua in Matthew 7, 21 through 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, drive out demons in your name? And perform many miracles in your name, then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Get away from me, you workers of lawlessness and iniquity, sin. But it's easy to say that Yeshua is referring to false prophets. So let's proof text this with another place where Yeshua uses this exact same phrasing. Flip forward a little bit to Matthew 25 in the parable of the virgins. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, five of them were wise. For when the foolish ones took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise ones took oils in jars along with their lamps. Now while the bridegroom was taking a long time, they got drowsy and started to fall asleep. But in the middle of the night, there was a shout, Look, the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins got up, trimmed their lamps. Now the foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, 
since our lamps are going out. But the wise ones replied, no, there will be not enough for us or for you. Instead, go to those who sell and buy some for yourselves. But while they were off to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the wedding feast. The door was shut. Now later, the other virgins came in saying, Sir, sir, open up for us. And he replied, Amen, I tell you. Depart from me, I never knew you. Depart from me, I never knew you. These words are scary to me, legitimately terrifying. Hollywood could not write a more dreadful set of words. Depart from me, I do not know you. You see, these brides-to-be, they knew their bridegroom. They were well acquainted with him. They were invited. They were betrothed, which is nearly as good as being married in Jewish culture. And still, they were sent away. So if sin can separate us from even our Savior, what hope do we truly have? We do this exercise with the kids, where you take a piece of paper, white and pure as snow. This represents the wholeness of a relationship. And as you lie to your friends, as you call them names, as you take the name of the Lord in vain, as you lust after things that are not in your relationships, as you make idle the things of the world, as you trust your pride instead of the Lord, as you are unrepentant in your sins. Depart from me. I never knew you. But then, teshuva. You cry out for mercy. You ask for grace that you don't deserve. You forgive those that have hurt you. Then you can be made whole again. You see, this is the tape of salvation that brings you back together. But the damage to a relationship has sometimes already been done. Oh, we're missing a piece. We'll call this piece Yom Kippur. But the piece, the paper can never be made whole again. The damage to relationship is already there. The damage between us and a good and mighty God. Between us and Yeshua. But our hope is in our Savior. Because as we teshuva turn our faces back to Him, He will turn His face to shine upon us and be gracious to us. Because not our righteousness, but His righteousness, that we are made justified before a good and loving God. And we are once again able to stand on that great and terrible day of judgment and be called pure and white as snow. But, Dr. Modesto, are you talking about a works-based salvation? Metanoia, repent, may it never be. I'm not talking about a works-based salvation. I'm talking about a works-utilized relationship. This is what the instructions of the Torah of sacrifice truly is. Instead of a willful disobedience to the Word of God 
it becomes a willful and loving following of Adonai's instruction. In love it was given, and in love it should be followed. Now, Mr. Joe George would be proud of me because all of this was the introduction, the preamble to my message of today. Yes, you can clap if you want to. <laughs> I didn't expect that anybody would actually do that, but Adonai, Lord our God, has given me a great gift. No, it's not a Jordan-esque jump shot or my teaching ability in martial arts. It's not the supernatural gifts of the Ruach HaKodesh, which I have had all in their own seasons. But it's a gift that sits just below my salvation. It's weakness. The older I get, the more evident and prominent that weakness becomes. I am not good enough. I am not strong enough. I am not mighty enough or powerful enough to save myself, let alone anyone else. Not my wife, not my children. In 2 Corinthians 12, 9-11... But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weakness, so that the power of Messiah may dwell in me. For Messiah's sake, then I delight in weakness, in insults, in distress, in persecutions and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I have become a fool. You drove me to it. For I ought to have been commended by you, but I am in no way inferior to the super special emissaries, though I am nothing. Open up to Ezekiel 37, 1 through 6. The hand of Adonai was upon me. The Ruach carried me up and set me down in the middle of the valley. This is Ezekiel talking. He had been brought before the throne room and he felt unpure. So an angel of the Lord took a white hot coal and touched it to his lips. And its pureness, its white glory was filling him from outside of himself. It was full of bones. He led me around them. Behold, there were very many on the floor of the valley. Behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, how can these bones live? Let us pause there for a moment. I used to live near Death Valley in California, and we would take excursions out to the deserts. Inevitably, we would come upon some animal bones, and we, we do hope that they were animal bones. They were dry and bleached by the sun, white by the sun. See, we are dead in our sins. When a body dies and is put into a container, it will rot and fester in its own putridness. The bones become stained by the rot. So too are we stained by our unrepentant sin that we hold on to. And if you think that that is a disgusting image, it should be. When a body dies in nature, God gets to work. He sends his animals, his bacteria, his bugs, his creepy crawly things, his birds to, in nature to render away flesh from the bones. There they can be made white in the sun, in the absence of sinful flesh. The sun makes white bones that have shed their flesh, 
This is an action that is imputed from outside of the body and outside of our control. Let us look at another place where David, in his weakness and his brokenness, is pleading to be made white as snow by God. And to Psalm 51, starting in verse 3, David had just sinned against God by going into Bathsheba and compounded that sin with more sin by having her husband, his dear and loyal friend, essentially put to death. David says, Be gracious to me, O God, according to your mercy. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly in my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, only you, I have sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So that you are just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was born in iniquity and in sin when my mother conceived me. Surely you desire truth in the inner being. Make me know wisdom inwardly. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness so the bones you crush may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins. Blot out my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence. Do not take from me your Ruach HaKodesh. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain in me a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guilt, O God, God of my salvation. Then my tongue will sing for joy your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praises. See, David knew that no amount of sacrifices could make right his relationship with Adonai, which was torn apart by willful sin. Surely the richest man in the land could just throw a few more lambs on the barbie and call it a day, right? Let's continue in Ezekiel 37. I answered, Adonai Elohim, you know. Prophesy over these bones, he said. Say to them, dry bones, hear the word of Adonai. Thus says Adonai Elohim to these bones, behold, I will cause the Ruach to enter you and you will live. Jump down to verse 10. So I prophesied just as he commanded me. The Ruach came into them, and they lived, and they stood on their feet, a vast and mighty army. See, dear ones, my most fervent prayer, that we become a nation of weak men and women, not weak to conviction, not weak in spirit, but weak to holding on to our sin, too weak to let pride take root, too broken to seek after the trappings of this world, that we become dry bones." empty vessels that can be filled with the Ruach HaKodesh and transformed into a great and mighty army for Adonai. Patrick Henry said in his speech to the Virginia Convention, Are we disposed of the number of those who, having eyes seen not, having ears heard not the things which so dearly concern our temporal salvation? And the words that sparked the American Revolution, Give me liberty or give me death. But I say, give us death through the self so that we can have freedom and liberty in the words of instruction through the Torah of Adonai and transform the very culture of our society into conformity of Christ Yeshua. Let us pray. 
No. I don't mean listen to a prayer that I sang. I mean to say, intercede with me. If you can, stand on your feet, raise your hands up to heaven, and plead with me to the Lord. Adonai, Father, Lord of heaven, Abba, we pray in the name of your Son, Yeshua. We are reaching out to you, to the very heart of our nation, to the heart of Israel. We are not worthy. We are the dry bones that need to be filled with your Ruach HaKodesh. We pray to be made into a mighty and great army, but not one that slays in swords, but slays in your word. We've asked the Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKodesh, to fill us, to enliven our bones, to speak the words of your truth and not our own. We ask that each and every one of us come together into one body and that we can be dead to our sin and alive for you. We pray this, Father, in the name of your Son, Hashem Yeshua HaMashiach. Amen.